Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Cavalier Cast, The Civil War in Words. In this podcast, I'll look at everything and anything to do with the War of the Three Kingdoms, which took place between 1639 and 1651. If you've got any suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. And if you didn't know, you can listen to Cavalier Cast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do, please subscribe and rate it. Thank you. In this episode, we'll examine the Battle of Roundway Down, which took place on the 13th of July, 1643. But before we do this, we first need to turn back to the 5th of July of that year to understand the state of the two armies. It's Wiltshire in the southwest, and the forces of King and Parliament have just battled to exhaustion outside of Bath. At Lansdowne Hill, the headstrong Royalist Cornishmen have ferociously fought their way to the summit and pushed back the Parliamentarians. It is, however, a hollow victory because of their losses. The next day, the 6th of July, broke with a bursting sunrise, but a second, more unnatural dawning lit up the sky in an explosion of orange-yellow. A plume of smoke hung over Somerset like a thundercloud. The stench of gunpowder invaded the nostrils of King Charles I's soldiers, as did the whiff of Sir Ralph Hopton's burnt flesh. The freak accident of an exploding powder wagon left the King's army short of both gunpowder and its commander, for Hopton was wounded and temporarily blinded. This was an accident that would have made 17th century health and safety officials' heads pop if they had existed, because when Hopton was reviewing a few prisoners who were carried on a cart alongside some gunpowder, some men decided to light up their pipes with burning matches. Incidentally, there's another example at Edgehill of burning matches being carelessly wafted around gunpowder, and again in the northwest, where a similar desire for a pipe full of tobacco caused a whole tower to explode. But getting back to Hopton, his suffering wasn't entirely physical. The man who led Parliament's army that turned in pursuit of the limping royalists was none other than Sir William Waller, his great friend. One month earlier, Waller had written a poignant letter to Hopton. Its words remain iconic to this day and sum up the state of a nation whose families had been riven apart by a war without an enemy. A war in which people put aside allegiances of blood to fight for king or parliament. Waller's letter read as follows. That great God knows with what a sad sense I go about this service, and with what a perfect hatred I detest this war without an enemy. In the meantime, we are upon the stage, and must act those parts that are assigned to us in this tragedy. Let us do so in a way of honour, and without personal animosities. Whatever the outcome, I will never willingly relinquish the title of your most affectionate friend. On the 8th of July, Waller perched upon Roundway Down and blocked the retreating royalists, forcing them to haul up in devises. At midnight, before Waller could swoop, Hopton's 300 cavalry burst out and galloped full tilt for Oxford to fetch assistance. Behind them, the King's Cornish infantry were left clinging on in devises. For four days, Waller's artillery pounded the town. 
Hopton briefly silenced the guns by proposing talks, though the respite was all too brief. Inside devices, short of gunpowder and ammunition, Hopton's men placed their starving cannons inside the castle and pulled tree trunks across the streets. In every hedgerow, house and ditch, they stationed musketeers whose heel of lead fended off Waller's eventual attack. Bullet holes can still be found from the siege on the side of St John's Church today. The 13th of July brought a rude wake-up call for the Parliamentarians. The Royalist Relief Force appeared on the horizon and their artillery fired signals of warning to Waller and hope to Hopton. Waller marched his 5,000 Parliamentarians up one of the four hills that crowned each corner of Roundway Down. He deployed 2,500 infantry in the centre and split his horse between both wings. The 1,800 cavalry of the Royalist Relief Force were led on to Roundway Down by Lord Wilmot, Sir John Byron and Lord Crawford. At three o'clock in the afternoon, this trio began a unified assault, fighting one for all and all for one. They collaborated surprisingly well. The Royalists attacked Waller's cavalry, some of whom were cuirassiers, clad head to toe in armour. The memoirs of Richard Atkins, a Royalist captain, confirm the ferocity of this contest, where musket balls pinged off these steel lobsters, while sword blows barely scratched their shells. Desperate to make an impact, Atkins singled out the arch-lobster himself, Sir Arthur Hazelrig, and pursued him nearly 300 yards in a frenzy of ineffective shooting and slashing. A chink in Hazelrig's armour came when his horse stumbled, and a gap appeared at the base of his helmet, allowing Atkins to force his surrender. But Hazelrig dallied, fiddling with the ties around his wrist that held his sword. In fact, he took so long to unfasten them that some parliamentarians managed to rescue him. King Charles, upon hearing about this incident, remarked that had Hazelrig been victualled as well as he was fortified, he might have endured a siege of seven years within his cocoon. Despite Hazelrig's escape and the Parliamentarians' impervious armour, the inferior royalists triumphed and chased many of Waller's cavalry over a 300-foot precipice and to their dooms in the ditch below. At this point, the royalist cavalry turned their attention to the Parliamentarian infantry, who persistently fought on. Sight of Hopton's royalist soldiers marching out of devises and into the fray left the Parliamentarians with no alternative but to retreat towards Bath. But it was too late. One thousand were captured and between four and six hundred killed. The Royalist horsemen had attacked uphill after racing all the way from Oxford and secured a remarkable victory. The King was left in control of the southwest, and the fate of Bristol was sealed. Waller had boosted his numbers with men of the town's garrison, and this had left it extremely vulnerable, and it fell to the Royalists barely two weeks after Roundway Down. Sir William Waller's reputation was similarly trampled, but this was only temporary, and he remained a popular and able commander in the eyes of Parliament, often more so than the Lord General himself, which sparked a rivalry between the two men that would put the parliamentarian cause in jeopardy.
Hopton eventually recovered from his wounds and his sight returned. Today, the Sealed Knot and the English Civil War Societies both reenact the Civil War battles and keep this part of history alive. Lord Hopton lives on in these organisations, both of whom have regiments named after him. Having been on both sides of these events as an avid spectator and as a former pikeman, I would highly recommend visiting a reenactment when the present restrictions are lifted. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can keep in touch with me on Twitter at 1642Author or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Mark Turnbull Author. I also have articles about the Civil War on my blog and that can be found at www.allegianceofblood.com Once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>